Welcome everyone to the Asian Voices Radio Podcast, where you'll find real Asian American conversations, including all the topics you were too afraid to ask your Asian parents. I'm your host, Sheena Yap Chan. Our special guest joining us today is a senior project manager for the United States Air Force and is also an LGBTQ activist. And I'm super excited to have her on today to share her story and what she's been through. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Hosanna Polycarpio. Hosanna, how are you today? Uh, maybe you can you know, fill in a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Hosanna, and I am currently stationed in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm the senior project manager for the Air Force Reserves, and it's been a fun ride over on and off for the last about 12, 13 years. Um, I first got into the military through the Army, um, and that was, I was 18 years old at the time. Oh my gosh, time has really passed. <laughs> I was 18 year old, years old, went into the Army, and then um, separated from there because of um, a couple of things that we'll mention here today, and then continued on to work as an intelligence analyst in the Department of Defense. And then eventually I made my way back into the military through the uh, U.S. Air Force. So happy to see everyone. <laughs> awesome. And I love it. And I know you're, you, you were born in Guam um, and, was, and moved to New York. What was it like growing up in Guam? Oh, gosh. Um, I could still smell the ocean. It's, the water is everything to me. So I, I actually do miss ocean life. Um, it was great because that's all you did was like beach, water, and my grandpa was um, was a uh, in the navy, and so he introduced me to the water pretty early when I was still an infant. I still remember that, but we eventually moved and to New York City in Flushing Queens. So it was a big um, step just because it's the city. But I feel like I learned more about culture and diversity because there was a huge, there is a, still a huge Asian community in um, New York. So, yeah. Yeah, I know New York is one of the states that have a high population of the Asian community. And was it like a culture shock? I know Guam is still part of the United States, and I think people tend to forget that. But was it a big culture shock for you going from Guam to New York? It was. It was because... The first thing I asked for when we landed in New York City was, where's the water? <laughs> I saw it, but, you know, it wasn't as blue. And it's just something that was, you know, in me that I needed to go to the beach, but I couldn't do it. But eventually I was introduced to um, Long Island Beach and, you know, the sound over there. And so it was it was a good um, learning lesson to learn how to adapt to different culture. Um and not just by diversity, but because um, city life versus island life kind of diverse. So, yeah, I totally get it. I'm I'm born in the Philippines, so you know it's island life there too, and I love the beaches there. And then I moved to Toronto when I was what? seven. Yeah, and I'm like, where's the beach? <laughs> there wasn't any, so I totally miss the beach life. You know, the sand, the hot sun, um, and so I'm super excited to be going towards the end of the year. So I totally get what you're going through. And so I wanted to know, you know, what led you to enlist the army, especially at such a young age, right? It's not something typical, especially for an Asian woman. Yeah. So um, it isn't typical because I remember my, my dad was really mad at me for making such a drastic decision. And so I had first tried college only because I had a full ride scholarship at Baruch in New York City for accounting. Um, really fun. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was a full um, MBA program. And after my first year, um, I really embraced the most fun I had in college was being around people who looked like me and kind of spoke like me. And it was the Asian sorority over there, um, Kappa Phi Lambda. Um, they were amazing and introducing me to a world, <laughs> the world really, of just kind of learning about new people and food and just different interactions. And so I wanted more of that and less of the accounting and working in a desk the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't know. It was weird. So what I did, I would, I remember it was July. I was in the middle of a full-time course and I told my English teacher, I have to go. <laughs> it's time for me to go. Um, and then I went into the army recruiting office and kind of raised my right hand and it was history from there. Um, one other thing that really influenced my decision was in um, nine, that was during 9-11. And when I almost lost my grandmother during that time, because she was on her way to um, the old world trade center back then. And so that just, bigger perspective on the world and the different people I wanted to kind of meet in the future kind of really made, helped me make that decision in 2003. Wow. I'm, I'm like you. I also took accounting in college, but I don't use it till this day. So, you know, it's like when you're Asian, that's what you're, you're, you're told to do like accounting, law, nursing. Um, but I went through, I went for a different route, of course, but I want to know what was it like, you know, being in the army, especially as a woman, especially as an Asian woman, I know, you know, I've seen TV shows where they reenact like, you know, women in the army who are getting abused, who are not treated properly when there's inequality. And especially like at, at an age that you went, I mean, you were 18. It was like at the time, like you mentioned, you know, the um, the 9-11 attacks, you know, what was it like for you? I was innocent. I really didn't know what from what and why I chose, you know, the army branch out of all the branches. I just felt like, you know, I love challenges. And so I thought, you know, army out of all next to Marine Corps, of course, would be one of the hardest challenges to kind of take on. And I needed that kind of help as, you know, as a person. And so I did that. And I think the first thing was when I got to basic training and that was in South Carolina, um, relaxing Jackson, um, was they could not pronounce my name. That was the first kind of iteration where it's like, Oh, I mean, why not? Why not try to pronounce my name? Right. So from then on, I was called private and then Polly. They shortened my last name, Polycarpio to Polly. And so it was kind of weird, but I also had, I knew I had to embrace a couple of things to avoid kind of getting in trouble. And so my career was pretty unique. And I think every day was amazing. There were things that, you know, were a little questionable, but I'm the kind of person where I will speak up and I will speak up, especially for other people when there, there was issues. Um, and that's what kind of got me into 2008 when I was kicked out due to do the don't ask, don't tell was because I was supportive of my friends and supportive of my team and, you know, the leadership and the issues that we were having back then. And, and I know like you, you're an LG, LGBTQ activist and, you know, it was also one of the reasons why you got kicked out, you know, how long did you, like, how long did you have to hide that from, from the army and what was that like? And, you know, what was that moment like? that moment, like when you spoke up, right? Sometimes when we speak our truth, 
consequences happen, like you getting kicked out. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about that because I'm sure there's some listeners out there who are going through similar situations, especially in Asian culture. It's not always easy to come out um, because we have old school parents or old school relatives, old school grandmothers, and they don't understand that. Right. So I just I just love to Mm -hmm. um, hear your input and how how that experience was. Absolutely. Um, So I didn't come out to my parents until after I came back from my first deployment from Iraq, um, because it really instilled in me like the confidence that I had as a person, as a woman, that if I can overcome these challenges, I can tell my parents that I'm gay. <laughs> and so um, I had that for a while. Um, ooh, this is, this is touching some emotional stuff because the first people I, I, I talked to about this and I opened up about it was my best friends in the army like my battle buddies and my crew and the people who like always had my back, even, you know, if we were in a very tactical situation, um, there were the people who had my back no matter who I was. And so for that opportunity to take on and meet those kinds of people, I come back home and I'm just, that's when I told my parents, I was like, I'm gay. (laughs) So, but I still love you and, you know, I'm sorry, you know, so and that's great that you had the courage to, you know, tell your parents the truth. I know it's not always easy because, you know, sometimes you're not too sure what the outcome is, right? And sometimes it can be a bad situation. You know, your parents might disown you. They don't want to talk to you. They don't even look at you as your child because you have a different pe- preference and which mm-hmm. shouldn't be the case, right? I mean, people should f- be free to love whoever they love, right? Um but yeah, when when you uh, decided to come out to, to during the army, what was that like? That experience for you? We definitely had to keep like even like the smallest kind of outings where it's like, hey, let's go to a drag queen show on Sunday and have brunch with some of our friends. Like we would we'd have to keep that a secret. We'd just say like, yeah, we're gonna go to park. You you won't like it. It's too hot out today. Like we would keep it in the group and we would only tell other people that we trusted that, you know, wouldn't say anything to higher up and leadership about, you know, what we were doing. Um, The biggest, I wasn't ashamed about it. I was just ashamed that my, my parent, with my parents, like he, my father didn't talk to me for a good year. And I don't know if some of you have come across that where it's like, it felt like you got this own because your parents just didn't want to talk to you about anything. And that was me for a whole year. Like I had to kind of mend that relationship with my father, but I made sure like he knew that I wasn't going to change and it wasn't a phase that it was just, it's me. And it's still the person that he loved since I was a kid. So. Yeah. And, and I know like when you got kicked out, what was that feeling like? Did you, were you like, Oh my God, this is the end of the world. You know, I, I finally came out, you know, as the person that I was meant to be. And then this happens, right. How, how did that like shape, you know, who you are yeah. and what happened at that moment? Well, first, um, I had a really good, um, kind of chain of command. And what we mean by that are like the, the people who were in charge of me and kind of helping me go grow and, you know, in career, in my career path. And I remember my commander, my first sergeant in the army was like, you know, we could just pretend this never happened, you know, because how it, how it was exposed was through like a bunch of police reports because of the harassment and abuse that was happening with my other friends. So, um, 
Mm-hmm. I wrote that letter and they were like, we could just forget about it. Like forget it because you are a, an amazing soldier and you are one of the kind of people that we depend on for, you know, a lot of things. So can, can we just forget this ever happened. And I, for the first time I felt like, wow, this was, this was my family. And I'm like about to leave it because I'm making this drastic decision to, to go. Um, so I left um, and I panicked. I really panicked because I'm like, I was so bold about saying like, oh, I'm gay and I'm ready to go and I'm, I'm ready to fight. But when I left and took off my uniform, I was so scared. <laughs> I was like, I didn't prepare myself for a job. <laughs> One, I was still stuck in Hawaii because I was like, well, I guess I could go home to New York, but I I don't think I could get a job with, you know, the short experience and like short resume that I had um, doing what, four or five years, if that, in the army. So, yeah, it was it was scary. (laughs) Yeah, I I can only imagine. I mean, you know, when you when you show up as your true self, it's not always pretty. Right. Sometimes when we go out there and showcase who we truly are, um, these consequences happen. And then it's like, oh my God, what do I do now? Right. You didn't have a plan B, like you mentioned. I mean, Hawaii is a good place to be stuck in, of course, but you're like, now what, what am I going to do? Like, what if this tarnishes me for the rest of my life? Right. And so, you know, what, what were the steps that you did to like pick yourself back up and move forward? Um, the first thing I knew was this, was that, um, I, we, you have to be um, dependent. You have to learn how to ask for help from other people. And, you know, I, I had my communities that I confided with. And so those are the first um, groups that I asked for help. Um, I spoke with my good friends, um, the SLD and network. I forgot what their name is now, but it was for um, service members who were kicked out from the military due to Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And most importantly, HRC. Um, They gave me a lot of really good resources with uh, Veterans Affairs and kind of where to find my next career goals, right? (laughs) My next career path. And so I ended up um, living in a studio apartment with three other people who were also um, in the military and or kicked out from military. And they were friends of friends. So they're like, come on over to DC because all of the um, intelligence opportunities for the defense industry is here. And that is what I did. I I got a one-way ticket with two luggages from Hawaii. And then I kind of picked up and started my life there. And ever since then, I've been kind of in and out with defense, uh, Department of Defense, and now the Air Force. So community is key. I love that. And I love that you mentioned I asked for help because that is something that is not typical in Asian culture, asking for help, right? We're always told don't ask for help because it's a sign of weakness or we don't want to ask for a handout. But in all honesty, helping others, helping each other is what really, you know, helps us to elevate, move forward, become better. And so, you know, if you didn't ask for help, you might have been still be stuck in Hawaii, which is not a bad thing, but you would be stuck in Hawaii trying to figure out what am I going to do next, right? Um, If you didn't, because you were able to ask for help, you know, you found another path to go to D.C. and, you know, 
do do intelligence, right? Because you already have a good a background in that. And so it's just a great example mm-hmm. that just because something horrific happens, it's not the end of the world. And as as women, especially Asian women, you know, we are so capable of going out there and making things happen if we choose to, right? It's having that confidence, that belief in ourselves, Absolutely. you know, that motivation to move forward. And I know um, Obama actually um, ended the don't ask, don't tell policy. So when you heard about that, what was your feeling like? Oh, gosh, that was 2011. I remember that because I was just coming home from a deployment in Iraq as a defense consultant. And I was like, what do I do now? So the first thing I did, because I loved my job so much, was try to enlist back in the army. (laughs) That was what I did when I came home. Um, The army, unfortunately, the recruiters there didn't really understand what to do with the document and with the legal um, documents saying that I was barred from joining the military again because of don't ask don't tell and, you know, the homosexuality thing. And I'm just like, what? So they didn't know what to do with it. I tried twice. And so what I did with my life was um, get another degree in culinary school. (laughs) I said, I have all this time. I quit my job to try to kind of figure out what what to do with my next career path. And instead, here I am going back to school and learning how to cook and, you know, kind of bringing back my relationship with my grandmother too, because we had a falling out because of the whole, you know, coming out of the closet thing. And so it was so great and so refreshing to know what I wanted and just kind of go with it. Um, 2015 was when I finally, um, the uh, military was finally like, we want to do something with that piece of legal document, that eight by 11 paper that says you're barred from the military. And that's, that's when I joined the Air Force. I love that. And I love that you mentioned, you know, you just started something new and ran with it because if most people did that, imagine what we can accomplish. I know, especially for women, it's difficult because, you know, how we see ourselves, we second guess ourselves, we overthink like there's no tomorrow, you know, we procrastinate. I mean, we do all things. I mean, I know I do, (laughs) but I mean, here you are, you just said you wanted to learn how to cook and see where it went. Um, and you didn't waste any time trying to figure out, are they going to take me back or is this it? Uh, you know, is the army going to accept me again after, you know, Obama abolishing that, but they did take you back or now you're at the air, um, us United States air force. Right. And you know, what's, what's it been Mm -hmm. like now that you're, you're in the air force, you know, what's the environment like now that, that, that don't ask, don't tell policy has been gone. I love it. Everybody, um, I've met, you know, from the top down have been so empowering. And like, I love that there's so much transparency now, like regardless of who you are and what you bring to the table, um, as long as you can, you know, accomplish the mission set, then yeah, like it's, it's what I wish that I saw back in um, 2003 when I enlisted, but I'm happy where I am now. I'm really happy. Um, What's funny is that I didn't realize I was making a name for myself in the intelligence world. And that's how the Air Force reached out to me. It was uh, one of my uh, old lieutenant colonel friends. And he's like, do you want to like, you know, join the Air Force? What do you think about that? Let's just figure out what to do with your legal documents. I said, yeah, sure. So here I am driving from Lake Tahoe with a friend all the way to Omaha, Nebraska. I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but (laughs) a friend of a friend's recommended that I I need to help lead uh, a squadron um, in Omaha. So it was, it's been a fun adventure and I love it. Um, 
I hope uh, I can do more for the community and for the military with the time I have left. <laughs> so I have a while to retire. Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I love that. And I love that, you know, they saw you because of your talent and not because of your gender preference. And I wish more and more yeah. people can just see people based on their talents and not by their cultural background. I mean, especially as Asian women, right? I, I've, I've spoken to a lot of Asian women who are in high corporate positions, high leadership positions. And there's always backhanded compliments like, oh, you're so lucky as an Asian woman, you got this position. But it had nothing to do with luck. It's, oh the, it's the fact that that person is skilled and she deserves exactly. the position, right? And so I really love that, you know, um, your lieutenant said, you know, we need we need you because you're good. And it had nothing to do with you're Asian, you're, 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 um, you're not, you're, you know, you're gay. I mean, it's because of your talent, right? And imagine how much different the world would be if it was just based on that versus the color of your skin, your name, you know, even some Asian people, you know, like the name is, is, is like, one of the things that stops companies from giving them like better positions because it's like they can't find the time to pronounce it. And so a lot of, you know, people in our community have to have an English name because no one can pronounce their uh, Chinese name or Japanese name or Korean name. But, you know, in this world, we have to learn to respect each other people and especially someone's name because that's very important. Exactly. And in our culture, you know, there's always hidden meanings to it, right? There's, it's not just, a name is more than a name. There's always a meaning to it. So, you know, I'm so glad that, you know, you're here today, you know, talking about your story. I know a lot of the listeners will enjoy this and it's something they can relate to, um, you know, to, to the people who are listening and especially to the people who are going through a similar situation that you went through, especially when it comes to coming out, because I know there's still a lot of people out there who who feel like they can't bring themselves out what would be your advice to them just be yourself <laughs> um just be yourself um I think one thing I I love just being my myself is just like being my presenting my most authentic self and just kind of showing up just by who I am um and I also wanted to to bring a quote just because if it was one thing um I could say to my my younger version of me, I say, uh, this is from Aisha Siddiqui. It says, uh, be the person you needed when you were younger. And, you know, I I would love having that kind of mentorship now. I mean, even now I'm a mentor to other um, airmen myself, but to have myself and to hold my hand and say, like, it's going to be okay. Just be yourself. And that's that's what I could tell everybody else. <laughs> I love that. I know it's easier said than done at times. That's why it takes, you know, work mm -hmm. on ourselves, right? To really come out, mm -hmm. you know, heal through our traumas to be the best version of ourselves, right? Um, you know, I'm glad you were able to go through that and become your best self because now look what it's happened. Yeah. Was there some like, um, you know, challenges? Of course, right? It's life. All life, you know, everyone has challenges along the way, but you know, you push through it and now, you know, you have a high position in the Air Force. Um, and now you can show other girls what's possible, right? Like they don't, they don't have Absolutely. to settle. They can go for the next step. They can ask for that promotion or apply for that, you know, job yes. or become a business person because they've listened yes. to your story. They understand that, yeah, it takes, you know, courage, confidence, you know, it takes a lot Resilience. of grit, yeah, <laughs> persistence to be where you are today. So I really, you know, enjoyed chatting with you. And um, what are some of your upcoming, do you have any upcoming projects or things that's going on um, if you'd like to share? Yeah, thanks, Sheena. Um, so right now an article is about to get published and I wanted to hide under with the sheets because I, I don't really do social media. So um, our 
Air Force is going to publish an article in one of their magazines about like just kind of a background on my story. If you guys can, you know, see that and I'll give you the link sometime, Sheena, about that, too. Um, and the other projects I'm handling this year um, has to do with the Trevor um, Youth Project. And they're an amazing organization helping um, LGBT, uh, the youth, LGBT youth kind of um, help them through their processes and stuff, especially the folks that, you know, get kicked out of, you know, their households and whatnot. And HRC, a wonderful research, at research and I'll be working with them uh, consistently again this year and helping and kind of showing up in our communities. I love it. Um, so I know, um, you know, when it comes to Asian women and in leadership and high position roles, the numbers are very low. In fact, there was a report from Catalyst.org that did a survey on the representation of women of color in management roles in 2021. So, you know, if you see the numbers, like Black women was 4.4%, uh, Hispanic women was 4.3%, and then Asian women was actually 2.7%. And this is based on last year's numbers, which is really crazy, right? And I'm sure being in the Army too, was it, you know, was the representation of Asian women, not only in the Army, but in leadership, was it also very small? Oh gosh, yeah, it's it's fairly low. Um, even in the Air Force today, it's pretty um, pretty low. And we cover just about like you know the defense industry and uh, the tech industry. I work a lot with those companies. Um, I I need more people to show up. Like in my unit alone, there's about three or four of us in a unit worth of like seventy plus people. So yeah. Yeah. And two of us are like Polynesian and Filipino. So it's just like, <laughs> where is everyone? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's crazy. Like for four Asian women out of like 70 people, I mean, those and, and they're just, you know, not even in high position roles. They're just part of the crew, basically. Right. Um, and so exactly. are, is the Army like or Air Force doing like different things to have more diversity, to encourage women, especially women of color, to say, hey, you know, we need more women in leadership. We need more women in the Army. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. What I love is that we've really incorporated and I feel like, first off, I think the military is a, a reflection of our communities. Right. And so we try to be. um like be a good example to our communities as well. So the one thing that the Air Force has done, I can speak for the Air Force, I don't know about the Army, but I'm sure it's all around with our training has improved. Um, we have specifically transgender um, training and also diversity, equity, and inclusion, as well as resiliency. Um, those are the three biggest aspects and we try to take a day off just to talk and discuss and train annually for our troops. So. I love that. I love there's programs out there that really support, you know, people of color and really create diversity and inclusion because it's so needed now. Absolutely. I want to thank our guest, Hosanna, for joining us today. To learn more about Hosanna, you can check out her Facebook or LinkedIn. If you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, we'd love to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Asian Voices Radio is produced by Asian Culture and Media Alliance, a nonprofit that empowers our API community with a voice through media arts. If you would like to support our program and make a donation, please visit AsianVoicesRadio.com. Thank you for listening. I'm Sheena Yap Chan. Please join us next week for another exciting and thought-provoking Asian Voices Radio show. Until then, take care, everyone.